0: And for all of our Theatre Art Life podcast listeners, we have a announcement to make regarding the Theatre Art Life podcast. We are inviting a new podcast co-host to join us on our interviewing adventures around the world, and her name is Kat Landry. She'll be joining us very soon in upcoming podcast recordings, and we're really excited to have her as part of the interview gang. So Kat is a stage manager and a production manager from the United States with a love for many forms of live entertainment. She has experience in theatre, circus, dance, theme parks, cruise ships, concerts, and international mega events. Since completing her work as a production manager on the World Expo in Dubai, she's joined Cirque du Soleil's Alegria tour and can now be found calling shows over the big top in South Korea and Japan. Kat is passionate about cross-cultural collaboration and being a resource for other young female leaders. She is grateful to have built a career doing her favourite thing in the world, all over the world. Kat is a proud graduate of the Carnegie Mellon School of Drama and a certified project management professional. So we're really excited to have Kat join us and stay tuned to hear her on the airwaves.
1: I don't know. I feel really lucky that I have the network that I have, that people like working with me. Like I try to be fun. I try to not make things suck. I really love the people, like I feel like everyone's really open and cool and like when we stop working during the pandemic, that's what I miss the most, like seeing my friends and creating with them. I think that the creative person never leaves, you just have to like let it breathe a little bit.
2: Hello and welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast sponsored by Harlequin Floors, World Leader in Floors, Stage Systems and Studio Equipment for the Performing Arts. The Theatre Art Life Podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera.
0: And my name is Ana Robb. On this episode, Alexandra Marcela Vasquez deming talks about her career as a lighting designer and production manager.
2: Alex is a lighting designer and production manager from San Salvador, El Salvador, based in New York City. She's known for her work with Big Dance Theater, Melida Tirado, Calpulli Mexican Dance, Ariel Rivka Dance, New York Theater Ballet, Banaber Caravan, Jacob's Pillow Dance, Lincoln Center, Center for Performance Research, Performance Based New York, Dance Manager Collective, Rattle Sticks Theater, Museo del Barrio, The Tank New York City, Dutch Kills Theater Company, Playwright Horizons, Hypocrite Productions, and Theater Works, among others. Her multidisciplinary work has been seen around the United States, Spain, Museo Guggenheim, Bilbao, and France in the Cannes Film Festival. Alex holds a BFA in Production Design from the of Art and Design, SCAT, and participated in the 2020-2021 Wingspace Theatrical Design Mentorship. It's a Stagecraft Institute of Las Vegas alumnus. And is a recipient of the Playwright Realm's inaugural International Theater Makers Award. She was a featured designer in the San Diego Reps Latinx New Play Festival twenty twenty. Hello, welcome. That was a lot. Pretty impressive. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Some of those names and awards for real. (laughs) In general. (laughs) You try. Well, congratulations. That's a very impressive resume
0: mm-hmm. Bye. So where does where does this journey start with how did you get into into light well, actually, before we start, the combination of a lighting designer and a production manager is is an unusual combo actually. Like generally, somebody goes straight into one or the other, not both. So tell us a little bit how you got into the industry and then why you do both
1: the into the industry is like a windy long path so I'll try to keep it short but I started dancing when I was four so I danced from when I was four so when I was essentially 19 like that's how long I stayed in El Salvador in like tap jazz whatever all the things and then I also painted but like I didn't really want to study art just because again growing up in El Salvador like a developing nation it's kind of instilled in you that like you need to do a real job or like make a difference at least. So I was a little scared of that. And I really just saw all these things like, as like hobbies that I love to do. And I was going to study law in France and become an environmental lawyer. That was the plan. But then like two weeks before going to France, I clicked on this thing on the website, like at the university's website saying, have you made the right choice? And I clicked it and I started reading. It was like all the things you were supposed to like to become a lawyer and at first I was like oh I'd like to read blah blah sure 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 and then it just started becoming no's and then I just got really scared and I was like what am I doing <laughs> so then I think I think my parents were like away on business I called my mom and I was like I'm not going to France and she's like what are you talking about I'm like I can't do it I can't become a lawyer I don't think I want to do this And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I need some time to figure it out. And because she wasn't in the country, I was like, well, what's she going to do right now, right? (laughs) So I probably hung up (laughs) and just didn't go. (laughs) So I took a year off. And in that year, I kind of danced almost full time. Like I was taking language classes. But then in the evenings, I was either teaching dance or taking dance classes. But then so we had like this big show in December or whatever. And it was also my, I had these kids that I was also teaching like visual arts, but I got into a bad car accident. That's a long story short. And I couldn't perform. (laughs) And so I was, you know, like, what am I doing now? Like i spent so much time on this. I still don't really know what I'm doing, but I just went to the theater anyway, just to be there. And for the first time, I really noticed like everything that happened backstage and it's not like in the states or like every other like big countries where it's super super elaborate, but the energy's still there. Like there's also obviously a stage manager, lighting's obviously still happening, that sort of thing, just like in a slower scale. And I just really like that feeling of like being there and like the energy. So I applied to SCAD, which had like a pretty broad program, which is why I picked it. It was like it's so broad that there must be something there for me. <laughs> And so I started with like scenic design. I realized I wasn't very good at it. So then I moved on to costumes, which I enjoyed more, but it's also (laughs) way underpaid. And around the same time, I also found lighting, but I had left lighting for last because I was scared of electricity. But then I finally took lighting and like my first class, it was like this light lab assignment. It was like cue to a song. And I just remember feeling like, wow, like this is like choreographing light, like this is just incredible. And I feel really drawn to it. And then I just kind of went with it (laughs) and now here I am. But the lighting and production management thing, it's actually not that uncommon in dance, which was my first job out of college. Out of college, I went to Jacob's Pillow uh, Dance Festival as an intern first and then moved to the city. Didn't really have a plan. (laughs) Like I bought a bus ticket and crashed at my friend's place. And then... I remember everywhere I was applying, like no one was answering because you write these really awkward emails when you're out of college. Like, hello, it's very formal. No one wants to see you. <laughs> but then I got this phone call. I think it was like my seventh day. I got really lucky. My seventh day in the city, I get this phone call from New York City Ballet. They're like, hey, we've heard about you. Um, we're looking for a line designer. Can you come in tomorrow for an interview? And so I borrowed like my friend who I was staying like her nice bag because I didn't have anything packed. I was going to a summer internship, and, like printed my resume and a FedEx. I don't know. And she was like, well, like someone from the pillow recommended you. Uh, they said they don't know your work, but that like, you're lovely to work with or whatever. So do you want this job? <laughs> and so I got my first design job. Actually, that's a lie. I got my first production management job. And then she said, also do you know anyone who does lighting? And I said, well, that's actually what I mainly do. And she said, can I pay you more and you be both? And I had just moved to the city. So I said, absolutely, yes. (laughs) So that's how I got into doing both. And that was two years of my
2: life. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. That's a cool story. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that you just, just decided on, like, right after doing a little survey that you weren't going to do (laughs) law yeah it was a big decision (laughs) lucky you did though right like lucky you didn't actually get there and then really decide you didn't like it I mean it's things happen for a reason sometimes so that would have been a bigger move (laughs) yeah exactly so in terms of lighting design and especially for dance for those who are not really understanding the process of how you design your uh, lighting design works um tell us what your process is for 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 working with a dance group in terms of lighting design how does that what where do you start actually the process changes depending on how much
1: time we have like if i can come to rehearsal that's the ideal because then i'm in the process and i can see like where ideas are coming from and i can start building from there so that's the ideal but a lot of times there's no time there's no money so i you know with a choreographer, we stay in touch. I don't really go see a rehearsal until we're close to the show, or I get videos. I'm getting like video updates so I can keep up with what's going on. And then mostly in dance, it's very it's very emotion based. Like, I guess I'll use two different examples. I recently did something with Ariel Rivka, and then I also did something with Nelia Tiral. And those are pretty recent, but they're very different processes because for Ariel, it was just like emotion based. She showed me a new piece. We actually didn't talk about it until we had seen it. And she's like, what do you think? And then I was just like, well, this is everything that came to mind. Um, and then we could go from there. But then with Nelly, she just told me the entire story about her piece. It's like a self-reflection. She's Puerto Rican, born in the Bronx. She's a flamenco and salsa. And it's very like a story. And so for that, it was like, let's develop the narrative and how every piece can work there. But once we're done with like the... Like the themes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'll start just like creating a light plot based on like what I think it should look like. (laughs) And then with dance, I let myself be a little freer in terms of like, if it's a theater piece, I have very specific things that I'm looking to create. But with dance, I sometimes just go with like, this is what it should feel like. These are like the colors I'm thinking. But once we're in tech, I kind of just let go and do what feels right.
2: <laughs> That's very interesting because I find that for dance lighting is very 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 important. And mm-hmm. I I wonder how how much that your background fits into this conversation you have with the 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 choreography and then your your design.
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty much inseparable, I think because that is such a part of me like the rhythm, the language, I have the language cuz like because I dance. So I can I can really speak about like even the specific steps or like where this what this gesture means like in very like I don't know body, bodily terms. <laughs> and then since in a sense of rhythm. I think that's why I allow myself to like like go a little bit because I think that I have an innate sense of rhythm where it's been developed enough that things just feel right if that makes sense. Or like I can like the pace or like even the breathing, like it's like, okay, like that movement needs to finish. But that doesn't mean like the action is cut. It means like the movement needs to breathe and finish. And then like maybe that's when we change into the next thing. So it's just a sense of timing.
0: Yeah. I kind of want to do a survey of how many lighting designers were former dancers. Because there's probably you and maybe 80%. (laughs) No, but it's really interesting because I've never really thought about that's really, you know, I would like to see your work in real life because that probably plays out in your work and 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 that is a unique avenue to bring lighting design to the stage, having had that experience. So, you know, I think that's awesome really when you think about it.
1: I think it's like the same things I like about dance, rather than like the things I like about lighting. Like it's ethereal and it's like, it happens and then it doesn't happen ever again. And it's like the pictures don't really do justice to what people have experienced in the room. Of course. Yeah. And then it's just so fleeting. Like it's gone and you just have to learn to let go because like the video will never look the same. So it's like this happened and
2: now it's gone. Mm. And I love that and hate that. <laughs> do you find like, cause you, you speak as a dancer, but also I think as, Latino women. I only, I not only think of, you know, and you said it. Uh, I don't think of ballet mm-hmm. and like the sense of rhythm and uh, and how our bodies feel through the music of the Latin rhythms. It's mm-hmm. completely different to when I ask a percussionist to play. You know, some drums or whatever in, in a more square like I, I relate more to music than dance but I mm-hmm. feel it with, with music and musicians that when you're asking a trumpet player or a drummer that it's not Latino to play a Latin rhythm it's, it's just like <laughs> literally yes <laughs> speaking a different language it's so yeah. hard to convey the information so I don't know that must bring some flavor to your to the science as well. I think so. <laughs> but actually <laughs> that's funny
1: cuz I told you like my first job was ballet and I I mean I danced ballet for so many years but I didn't even I don't think I really understood the music until I realized like syncopation is like what we're like essentially born within like with and then you just have to like completely flip it like the ones and the threes like that's I really have to just think about that. But then once I worked with them for so long it was like okay now I can have both languages. But my nature 100% goes towards, like, drums and, like, just, like, way more fluid stuff.
0: <laughs> you know, it's really funny that you say that because I don't know if we ever really think about how that that cultural, I mean, we always on face value, yes, there's certain cultural things that you bring to uh, an artistic piece, but then how you utilise that and how you create with that and and... That's just, that just, just brings the argument for making the most multicultural groups of people to work on a piece of art, right? Because it's just more ingredients to play with, to bring together. Your pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's actually data proven that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be in our industry, but it's proven that multicultural teams or... Uh, diverse teams actually perform better and when you think about it in that way it's it actually makes sense because you're just bringing a whole not only a whole different cultural background and 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 upbringing and heritage into one melting pot and the, and there the lies in wonderful possibilities right yeah yeah <laughs> It's awesome. So, so you you have an interest also in. We've got to note that you've got an interest in sustainability as well. So, how does that apply to your work? And and how do you see that?
1: So, I think it really becomes like a personal ethos thing. Like, once you start thinking in terms of systems, like things don't just happen. Like things aren't just like boom, this happened. It's like raw materials have to be sourced and then like it has to be made and then like the labor laws and then like the transportation then packaging like there's so much to all of it <laughs> that once you start seeing everything in that way or well, you just kind of like automatically apply it so like it can be like really tiny things like i don't know being conscious of like perishables like you gaff tape or like yeah, the ones i hate the tie the the plastic ties,
0: okay
1: Zip ties.
0: I hate those. Oh, my God. There's different words. We said cable ties. zip ties.
1: Okay, yeah, zip ties. I hate that. And it's just like, it's not just because, like, you'll get cut really badly, but, like, in a sustainability way, like, it's just little plastic and, like, you're making just more plastic waste or, like, water bottles. But then, like, you know... I beg
2: to on zip ties, right? (laughs) I mean, if you're... Because if you're doing a permanent install... Permanent, yes. What do you need it for? Like, can it buy tie with a tie line? Sure. And then you can even strike. The strike is faster if you need to strike. But yeah, if yeah. it's going to stay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if it's permanent, <laughs> sure. Yes, we can, we can argue then, that it's not single
2: use. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's still six ties if you want to go that route, which I love, but they're very expensive. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> You're saying that uh, consumables and things uh-huh. that get wasted. So, yeah.
1: And then, you know, like electricity, like I remember, or actually back to perishables. I remember I was in college, it was maybe my second year. And I was talking with a TD something about like the light, the lamps. And he's like, well, we buy the cheap ones because you guys need to learn to change a lamp anyway. And it's like, come on, <laughs> that's not an excuse. <laughs>
0: It's Fine, not really but- the point but okay <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> but I think it's actually easier to make a bit more of a difference in production management than in lighting mm. for this because then you can really be thinking about like shipping and like your materials and like where you're sourcing things from and I think that's something I do like about production management like having more of an influence in that way
0: Yeah, I mean, we had a podcast earlier today with a person who is a severe, you know, a very uh, dedicated advocate for sustainability in the theatre industry. And I think, you know, it's good to hear that you're also, it's becoming at the forefront of people's minds and the more people that can be thinking about it, awareness is one, but then the next step is to actually try and implement ways to be more efficient and a bit more mindful I mean we all live in this world we all see what's happening to it so it you, we can't have our work we can't have our opinions on that and then our work be separate right like it has to at some point we have to become uh, re- responsible
1: yeah and that's the whole thing about like an ethos like this is like how you or how one would try to live their whole lives, like not be separate. Like my, my good friend, he's a scenic designer. And he got annoyed when the theater said that if he could turn the foam, like he had designed something in foam and they were like, oh, we're really trying. Can you use something that's not foam? And he was like, I know this is bad, but I'm just annoyed. And it's like, yes, you can be annoyed, but like understand that it's obviously bigger than, <laughs> than you.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> That's cool that it's coming up in conversations. So like go ask the, the designer to use a different material.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is really good. And uh, you know, as Anna and I have done it this podcast for a couple of years, it's only really been recently that people have started to sort of incorporate that into their conversation. I think Anna, don't you think? Like it wasn't part of our early conversations. And I think it's just becoming more and more important. We ha- we have to we have to keep Talking about it and putting it out on the podcast so people remember they've got to start thinking sustainability. So, what are you working on right now, Alex? Is there something you're particularly in the middle of? No, I'm taking a
1: big break. <laughs> yeah, because um, from, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, like from March to July, I think I had a week off and that's the week I got COVID. So, I'm just uh, <laughs> trying to take a break and then I'll start over in the fall. There's a festival I'm going to be doing in the Bronx, which I'm kind of excited about. It's like a week long thing. And it's like salsa. I haven't gotten too into it yet, but I've somehow started ending up in like this like Caribbean Latin thing, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Like it's nice to speak Spanish at work.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> also a yeah. really nice rhythm and music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this whole year, actually, for the first time really, I was involved with a lot of Latin companies like Calpuli, Budnelia. At Hostos, it's like a new university I've been sort of working in. There's like a lot of like a Latin population. So that's been really cool.
0: And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre the New York City Ballet, to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high-quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages, working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia-Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. How is it that you get work? Like what's the what's the hustle on how you, I mean, have you got a network? Are people approaching you? Do you have to reach out? Like um, how do you make yourself sustainable in this industry and get regular work? Yeah, I think that by now I am
1: lucky enough that most people reach out. The first couple of years were probably the hardest where it was like, yeah, just constantly being on like every website and like I'm not good at networking so I don't really do that (laughs) like I don't know how to sell like I don't know how to talk to someone with like an end goal really I can like I can make a relationship but like I don't know how to be like yeah I do this and I'm really good and please hire me like I I can't I would hide in a room Mm. and I have (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah I mean yeah by now it's just I don't know, I feel really lucky that I have the network that I have, that people like working with me. Like, I try to be fun. I try to not make things suck. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, like, my goal is for everyone to have a really good time and then that we can also create good work. And it seems to be working.
2: So that's pretty cool. Like, do you relate more to any specific either lighting or production? Or is there, like, you're saying that you want... Like you, lighting was your core, but you like the impact you can do with production.
1: Lighting is definitely my main thing. Like this is what I love. You know, like this is what I really feel like is a creatively. thing that I'm. Yeah, creatively, and I really only take production management jobs. Like, first of all, it has to be dance because <laughs> it's very different. Dance and theater. What the production manager does. I like the touring aspect of all that, so that comes way more in dance than in theater. And then I have to be just like really attached to the project because otherwise I don't like scheduling things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Like I just have to really believe in it and like have a deep connection with like the director or the choreographer or whatever. Cause then it's just like a part of like building
0: it. The bigger goal. Yeah. 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 What's your lighting, di- lighting desk of choice? Oh, uh, anything EOS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry, okay, go ahead. Anna.
0: <laughs> Have you done production management for theater, though, like as well, like, but you've leaned more more towards the dance stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I have done it for theater, but like for smaller things. And maybe that's why I don't like it, like, because then it just feels like you're like fighting the budget and fighting the time. And like, where are we getting the labor from? And I don't know. It just feels like or like a really weird interview. I had once for theater for production management. They asked me like can you tell us like a time when a designer went too far and you were and you were successful at reeling them in and like that's not how I like to approach production management like I don't want to be the no person like that's <laughs> horrible like I want to be a very interesting question to ask in an interview right
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we both knew that it wasn't going to work and we just stayed in the interview out of like oh uh, well,
2: to hang out mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: But yeah, like if I'm PMing, like I want to be the person coming up with solutions, not being like, no, you can't do that. Mm. And in my experience, it seems that theatre is a little bit more of like, no, you can't do that.
0: (laughs) Do you ever like a project or a dance show or something that you would, that you want to do in the future that you're, that you really, really want to take on? Like something that's not happening, you mean? something that you'd like to do in the future like is there something like, like what would be your dream project or something yeah what's your dream project
1: um I feel like that's always evolving like I don't really I don't know I know like some people are like oh I want to do Broadway like that will be nice in the future but that's not I don't know how to really say that like right now I had a really like a dream project where it was actually that Nelly show where it's like it's a Latin group it's like everyone's from mixed cultures it's both art and theater it's telling an important story i was with them from the beginning i actually i was hired as a lighting designer and became the production manager as well and then we opened that no we didn't open there but we performed a jacob's pillow which was like like home base for me so like that was like a dream project but i feel like like dreams can change and evolve so it's yeah i feel like i'll have a dream project no, in a month, and then I another. think that I think
0: that's okay because people used to ask me that same question too, and I I always used to like I always like the very next project, right? You yeah. got to find your enjoyment in each step, and yeah. and uh, not necessarily. I mean, it's good to have goals, but it's like it's better to stay present in in the projects that you get given and and see where it takes you because I think sometimes that you think your career is going in that direction, and then it can take so many t- twists and turns. It's not linear, right? When we take yeah. these projects, so.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and also, what do you do once you like do your dream? Like you die?
0: Or- <laughs> 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 Got to send another goal then, Alex. So oh, another yeah. one, next one. <laughs> <class.
2: laughs> <laughs> so dramatic. And then you die. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, where are we from? We are from dramatic people. <laughs> I love it. I love
0: it. Do your dream job, then you <laughs> die. That's it. <laughs> 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 what's the favorite? What's your favorite thing about your job? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what if you could, can you can you sum it up in 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 one comment. I really love the people. Like I
1: feel like everyone's really open and cool. And like when we stopped working during the pandemic, that's what I miss the most. Like seeing my friends and creating with them. Really, truly.
2: <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Uh, just I have a quick question before we ask the other one. The standard after. Do you see yourself working or going back to El Salvador to work on projects? And how would you like to interact with the culture in El Salvador?
0: So here's the, I
1: have two answers. Here's the college application essay you write. Like, I would like to learn all this to bring it back to my country. That's how you get into college. (laughs) But I feel like at this point, like, I just want to, I mean, I live in New York and like, I'm so lucky that I'm able to sustain a career in New York and I kind of want to see it through. Like, I would love to go back and like, I don't know, maybe do workshops or like something like that or do like little projects, but I don't think I'm really going to move back.
2: Well, no, I was thinking in that in that sense, is there a way that you see yourself interacting with your home culture? Probably.
1: I mean, I still have... Because I, yeah, because I grew up dancing, like, some of those people have stayed in the, like, in the industry. So I think that there is a chance for collaboration there. It is a lot about time, though, like, that's mainly the issue. And also, like, immigration processes in the U.S. Like, there's, like, things I have to, like, do to keep my visa. And, like, sometimes those things don't give me time, you know, to do other projects. So maybe in a future where, like, immigration is a little easier. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> if that ever happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, that's that's also <laughs> true. It's a good question, Anna, because I think like if you, it's also if you ask me the question, would you ever go back to Australia? And it's like I don't know the answer to that question. I have lived there for like seventeen years now, and it's like mm-hmm. you're a different I, person, right? Yeah, like, you don't fit. Yeah, everywhere. my life is different there, you know. And it's once bad. you once you become an expatriate and you live that life and, and you adapt and change, you yeah, like you said, you're not the same person when you than when you left. So
1: yeah. Yeah. No,
0: I went back for the pandemic for 10 months
1: and it was like a really weird culture shock because I had never been an adult there. Mm. So I left when I was 19. I went back when I was 29 and it was like, whoa, like very strange. <laughs>
0: very, very big changes to my person. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so one of the other questions we always ask our Podcast guests mm-hmm. is um, if if there was one thing that you could change about the industry or your job, what would it be?
1: So, I actually like wrote about this because I write a lot.
0: <laughs> I do think like a big thing is
1: learning to take breaks. And I think that a lot of time that just comes from like, you know, job insecurity or like we don't get paid enough. But it is also tied to, I know that I do, and I know that a lot of my peers do like you attach your like identity to your work. And so sometimes it feels a little scary to like not produce because you're like, well, then what am I, what am I, what am I doing? But I think it's so important to take a break because then it's like, you allow yourself not just to like take care of your body, take care of your mind, like, but you're also letting yourself live. And like, how are you, how can you create if you're not living? Or like, how can you create if you don't have time to like process the things that you're living? So. Even, okay, right now, I told you I'm on vacation. The first two days I was going insane, like, what am I doing with myself? But then you just, I don't know, like, I started writing, I started painting, I started, like, dancing again. It's like, I think that the creative person never leaves. You just have to, like, let it breathe a little bit. And I don't know, where are you at, actually? Both I was like, where do you work?
0: I live in Hong Kong, but I'm okay. car- currently in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: And I'm in a constant transition. She was in Las Vegas. She's currently in Mexico.
0: She may be going to Dubai, but she might be going on a cruise ship. We don't know yet. (laughs) Wow but
1: but so you're both familiar with like the whole American like you have to overwork and like you can only make yeah. oh yeah I'm
0: Australian I'm the kind of person that wants to go on vacation for six months so sure. like it's hard for me to be here <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it I mean but it has to be I feel like it has to come from within because no producers are gonna be like oh yeah take time off Very. like this really has to come from us like we just have to advocate for ourselves and like make sure you get what you need and like destroy honestly destroy the whole the show must go on because like it really doesn't not always <laughs> mm.
2: well so. i i wrote a piece and how does the show must go on like mm-hmm. and it, it's true not always should go on but but yeah no i agree and that's one of the reasons why i left the u.s is like mm-hmm. do i really need this like is, is this something is, is this building on my career on the lifestyle i want on the person i want to be
0: yeah but I, but I think your your point is not only from just a a balance and a mental health perspective but it's so true Alex that creativity stems from idleness in a sense right like you've got to let yourself step away from the doing and be the being and then in that being opens up the so the way you mind. can look at the world and the way you see things and it feeds you and yeah. and actually most of the Big creatives, and they can because they can probably afford to, do take big gaps between projects to be fed and inspired before they come back into the thing. If we could mm-hmm. all have that luxury, that would be perfect, right? right. But <laughs> we got to pay the bills. But as it's really important to, to I, I know that I always try to, like, if I'm taking a break, you are got to switch off and really let all that work because my work never ends So or anybody's mm-hmm. work never ends really. So you've yeah. really just got to put it in the closet and then, come back it's to hard, you Have to, so, yeah yeah have yeah, to. yeah. <laughs> that's amazing well thank you so much for joining us today Alex it's been really a pleasure to talk to you I love your honesty and your openness and I, I'm, I'm honest. Honest. <laughs> it's, <awesome. laughs> it's
2: a good vibe
0: yeah, yeah it's a good vibe we we love that we love that I think people will enjoy this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too
2: <laughs> Theatre at Life is a global media site for entertainment